0: How does someone disappear without a trace? Or better yet, how does someone disappear while they're out with a group of friends in a crowded area covered by security cameras? If someone did go missing in a crowd of people, is it on purpose? Or is there something else behind it? I'm your host, Coy Atkins, and this episode of Crime Nerds covers the story of Michael Van Zandt. Michael was born on January 17, 1980. He was born and raised in Pleasant Lake, Michigan. He had two brothers and a stepbrother. Michael's parents separated when he was a young child, and he was mostly raised by his mother. Growing up on the lake, it gave Michael and his brothers plenty to do. They were involved in a lot of water sports and spent a lot of time boating and fishing. He graduated high school in 1999 and enlisted in the Air Force. Michael loved being in the military. It was something that he had wanted to do since he was a kid. After basic training, he was stationed in Japan where he met Krishane, another airman. Krishane was also from Michigan, and she grew up about an hour away from where Michael grew up. The two began dating, and they were married in 2001. Michael was 20 years old and Krishane was 18. By 2006, they had three children together, and they were relocated to Edwards Air Force Base near Lancaster, California. In 2011, after 12 years in the Air Force and two tours of Iraq, Michael decided to get out of the military. He ended up getting a civilian job that worked with the Air Force for Human Resources, and that's where he became friends with a co-worker named Jamie. Over the next couple of years, Michael and Christine grew apart. They both still cared a lot for each other, but in 2014, they agreed that it was time for their marriage to end, and even though they were separated, they still spoke to each other daily, they got along perfectly fine and their main focus was to co-parent for their children. But Michael was going through a lot personally, and he confided in his brother Tyler. For the first time in 15 years, Michael was single, but he was dealing with self-esteem issues. He was in his mid-30s living in a one-bedroom apartment, and he hadn't actually dated anyone in a while. Then, in June of 2015, he met Monique, who was 24 years old. The two met online, and they went on a date. Everything seemed great between them, And they kept seeing each other. Monique had a son of her own and it was great that Michael treated her son just like his own child and all of the children got along together. But after a few months Michael realized that he just wasn't ready to be in a relationship again and things sort of ended. Although he and Monique remained good friends and still talked on a regular basis too. In the beginning of 2016 Michael found out that he was approved for a loan on a home this was a huge thing for him and something that really helped his self-esteem. One of the things that had been weighing down on Michael was living in a one-bedroom apartment. Like most parents, he just wanted his kids to have a better childhood than he had. Growing up and mostly being raised by a single mom, Michael and his brother spent a lot of time living in small houses or apartments sharing bedrooms. So, when he got approved of the home loan, he was excited to start trying to find a house where the kids would have a lot more room whenever they were with him. Not only was he approved for the loan, but it didn't take him long to find a house. After putting in an offer, he was supposed to move into the house at the end of March. On March 16th, Michael had lunch with his three children. They finished lunch around 3 o'clock and he dropped them off at Chris Shane's house. That night, Michael had plans with Jamie and some of her friends. They were going to go to Hermosa Beach and watch a UFC fight at a bar. Hermosa Beach was about a two-hour drive for Michael. And on this drive, he started making a series of phone calls. He talked to both of his brothers, Tyler and Charles, and then he called Monique, who was in Las Vegas for the weekend. And these phone calls, there was nothing really anything that stood out to anybody. It was just small talk and catching up with people. Once Michael arrived in Hermosa Beach, he parked his car in the parking garage to the hotel that Jamie and her friends were staying at. Around 7 that night, he took an Uber to a bar called The Underground. Michael met up with Jamie and her friends, who were already at the bar drinking. This was his first time meeting this group of friends. So he was introduced to everyone, and then they all began drinking and watching the fights together. Once the fights were over, they decided to go bar hopping around Pier Plaza, which is a popular nightlife area for Hamosa Beach. Around 10-15pm, the group went to a bar called American Junkie. Michael had to use the bathroom, so he told Jamie that he was going to use the bathroom in the liquor store right next door, and then he would be right back. Michael left the line and he walked into the liquor store. At the time, no one knew this, and there was no way that anyone could have known this. But that would be the last time that anyone saw Michael Van Zandt. Jamie and her friends stood in line for a little bit longer. The line wasn't moving too much, so they decided to go to a different bar, which was the bar right next to American Junkie. Jamie sent Michael a text telling him that they were going. And when she didn't hear from him after a few minutes, she sent a few more texts. There was still no word from Michael, so Jamie called him a few times, but each call went straight to voicemail. Even though Hermosa Beach was two hours from where Michael lived, he was familiar with the area and he had gone there often to hang out with other friends. So Jamie figured that there was a chance Michael ended up running into someone he knew and went off with them. So after a couple of hours... Jamie and her friends called it a night and went back to the hotel. The next morning, on Sunday, back at the hotel, Jamie realized that Michael never returned to the hotel and his car was still in the parking garage. There were still no replies to the text messages and his phone was still going straight to voicemail. Now, Jamie was starting to become a little more worried. She began calling local hospitals, but no one had him. Then she thought that maybe he was drunk and he did something stupid and got picked up by the cops. So she started calling around the jails, but he wasn't there either. Jamie wasn't the only one having a difficult time reaching Michael. Monique tried to text him a few times, but there was no response. His brother Tyler tried to call him, and it went straight to voicemail. Jamie went to Michael's house to see if somehow he made it back home. The following day was Monday, March 7th, and there were two things that happened that really put everyone on edge. Michael was supposed to go to a dentist appointment with one of his kids. He was the one that had the insurance paperwork for them to get the dental work done but that appointment came and michael didn't show up Chrisane tried to get a hold of him but his phone was going straight to voicemail then jamie showed up to work and michael wasn't there she was already worried about him enough but him not being at work made things even more real the two things that michael took very seriously his family and his job and both of those he didn't show up for So Jamie went and filed a missing persons report. Initially, Jamie was told that she couldn't file a missing persons report until a certain amount of time had passed. As frustrating as that was, it didn't stop Michael's friends and family from looking for him. When Michael's brothers, Tyler and Charles, found out that he was missing, they both immediately hopped on a plane and flew to California. Everyone that was close with Michael began posting on social media, telling the story of how he went missing and asking for help from anyone that may have seen or heard anything. Quickly, the posts were shared one after another, and Michael's story went viral. People from all over the country were trying to reach out and help. On Tuesday, Tyler, Charles, Christiane, and Monique, they met with detectives with the Hermosa Beach Police Department, and a missing persons report was filed. The detectives started with interviewing Jamie and her friends. They wanted to get a timeline of events on the night that Michael went missing. They wanted to see how he was acting. Did anything seem off? Jamie had a cell phone video of Michael joking around with everyone during the fight and everyone was getting along great. Investigators then pulled Michael's cell phone records. His phone last pinged on a cell phone tower in the downtown Hermosa Beach area around 9 45 that Saturday night. Detectives began pulling video footage from different cameras around Pier Plaza and there were a lot of cameras but There were also a lot of people out walking around in and out of restaurants bars and other businesses or just standing around and while detectives were doing their thing michael's friends and families they weren't sitting around waiting for answers they hit the streets around pier plaza and they began passing out hundreds and hundreds of flyers and posting them in businesses and it wasn't long before local news stations got wind of michael's disappearance and they began running segments where they interviewed his friends and family and all of the chaotic grainy black and white video footage. Detective Draws was able to find Michael, Jamie, and her group of friends standing in line for the American Junkie Bar. Just as she described, Michael is seen on the video telling Jamie something. He then turns and walks toward the liquor store. Then, someone is seen a little while later around 11.45pm that matches Michael's description. But he didn't go to the American Junkie Bar. He walked off in a different direction and he met up with another guy, hugged him, And then they walked off with a different group of people. As detectives were studying this mysterious guy, they realized that he looked similar too. And he looked a lot like Randall, who was a guy that was in Jamie's group of friends. So police, they have a lot of questions for Randall. Then things started looking a little more suspicious. Detectives tried multiple times to get a hold of Randall, but they couldn't find him. They called him multiple times and left him multiple messages for him to call back, but he wasn't returning their calls. Then, after two days of trying to find Randall, he finally called them back. Detectives start with just asking him about things that happened that night and he had the same story as everyone else, but then when he was asked if he met up with Michael later that night, he said that he didn't, he denied all of that. So police went back and they analyzed the video more. And coincidentally, a guy that matched Michael's description happened to be in the same area and walked up to a guy that looked very similar to Randall. But police were able to determine that it was not Michael and it was not Randall. The search for Michael then began moving towards the other end of Pier Plaza, towards the beach. Michael's friends and family searched up and down the beach. They used metal detectors to search for anything that may have been dropped in the sand like his keys, wallet, they hired a helicopter to fly back and forth over the beach looking for a body in the water, but after hours and hours they came up empty. Even though there were no witnesses that could place Michael at the beach, there was one thing that was in the back of everyone's mind. Michael grew up on the water, he loved the water, particularly he loved being in the water after having some drinks. Kershane mentioned that when they were on vacation in Hawaii, he was intoxicated one night and ran into the ocean for a swim. Tyler also had a similar story that happened only two months before Michael went missing. Tyler and Michael were in San Diego for a golf tournament. They were at a hotel bar drinking, Tyler went to bed, and Michael stayed at the bar. Several hours later, Michael was knocking on the door. He was soaking wet and in his underwear. Tyler helped Michael get dried off and put some clothes on. Michael then went back to the beach to get his clothes, cell phone, and wallet that he left on the beach. So Michael had a history of going into the ocean for a swim after drinking. With Pier Plaza being on the beach, there was the possibility that he may have wandered off into the ocean for a swim and that the current was just too strong for him to make it back to shore. Two weeks into the investigation, detectives found another clue. This time, they were able to positively identify Michael on Pier Plaza's security cameras. Michael is seen on camera with Jamie and her friends in line for the American Junkie Bar. Michael leaves the line and goes into the liquor store next door. Inside the liquor store, the cameras show that he walks in. He goes to the back to use the bathroom, but he was unable to. So after being in the store for a few minutes, he walked out. And this is where everything changed. Michael walked out of the liquor store and he took a right-hand turn. Jamie and her friends were still standing in the American Junkie line, which was directly to his left. On the security camera, you can see the group of friends in the same frame as Michael as he walked right. Michael walked around the corner out of sight from the group of friends. Just as the group of friends walked out of the line in the opposite direction to go to the other bar, Michael comes back around the corner. He walked to the American Junkie line, but no one that he knew was there. He starts looking around, then he begins walking again. Over the next several hours, Jamie and her friends are seen on various security cameras as they bar hop throughout Pier Plaza. Michael is also seen walking around where it appears that he's looking for them. At one point in the video, the group was walking and Michael was less than 50 feet behind them. They were seen on the same frame in the video on the same stretch but there were people between them so Michael never saw the group and they never saw him. Michael then returned to the liquor store to buy some alcohol. There was one key thing that stood out in this video while Michael was at the counter he seemed trying to use his cell phone but the screen isn't lighting up which most likely meant that the phone was dead which explained why he wasn't returning any phone calls or text messages or Why he didn't know that the group went to a different bar. The last footage of Michael on the security camera shows him walking alone towards the beach. Michael's family has their doubts about him going into the water that night. Yes, he had a history of going into the water after drinking. He loved the water. But even though he had been drinking, when he was on the security cameras, he wasn't stumbling around or falling over. So he wasn't drunk to the point where he couldn't think straight or function properly. Michael always was aware of what he was doing when he was swimming. He would take off his shoes, his pants, and his shirt. He would place his phone, his keys, and his wallet in his shoes and then put them in a pile. So, if he did go into the ocean, where was his stuff? Over the next several months, a few bodies from people who had drowned in the ocean washed up along the Southern California coast. As Michael's family heard about the news each time a body was found, they expected one of them to be Michael. but. None of them were. Someone attempted to access his checking account electronically, and there were hopes that maybe that was Michael, but it was just a fraud where someone had his banking information online. Tyler has two theories for what happened to his brother. For some reason, maybe Michael decided to go into the water and this time leave everything on, and he was swept away to sea by the currents. And the other theory is that for some reason, Michael is still out there in the world living another life. Tyler has since moved to Hermosa Beach area where he continues his effort to find his brother and he is also much closer to Michael's children where he can be there for them. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. Thank you for listening.